distance balls. Sure, they go far, but do they do anything else? The new ERC Soft does. Callaway completely reinvented the way a distance ball performs. Engineered with a new, fast, hybrid cover and a graphene-infused dual soft-fast core, it's a new kind of distance ball, one that actually feels soft and spins more. And once you're on the green, ERC Soft's triple track technology will help you dial in your alignment. Get Callaway's longest ball with soft feel today at callawaygolf.ca. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is almost at the end of his four-year mandate. And as Canadians get set to head to the polls, there are a lot of unanswered questions about how this election will go. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. We look at whether the Liberals have done enough to shake off any lingering blowback from recent scandals, whether the Conservatives are vulnerable to attacks on its leader, and what exactly has happened to the NDP. We've got a short survey listed in the show notes, and we'd love it if you could take a couple of minutes to fill it out. John Iveson is the Parliamentary Bureau Chief for Post Media and a columnist for the National Post. So, John, heading into the election campaign, which of the parties do you think is most prepared for this fight? Well, I think, you know, organizationally, the Conservatives and the Liberals are both pretty much geared up. The Liberals actually surprisingly, are perhaps not as geared up as the Conservatives. They haven't got all their candidates in place. And uh, the last time I looked, they were still 60 or so short of a full complement. Uh, the, the Conservatives have got 330 plus of 338. So so the Conservatives are, are in good shape organisationally. They have money. The NDP are in total disarray. They, are, they have still got an awful lot of candidates to appoint. They're apparently not doing a national tour, which in every election, the leader tours, with a, they hire a plane, they travel right across the country. The NDP are not doing that this time. That's not through choice. That's through necessity. I think they just don't have the money to do it. So they're in, they're in rough shape. Uh, the Greens, I think it's going to be sporadic for them. They haven't run a national campaign uh, with this level of expectation. The People's Party, uh, Max Bernays' vehicle is in surprisingly well organized and seems to have candidates and and uh members and even money so um you know we have we have five viable parties across the country and and of course the bloc in quebec of the kind of the the three other parties not the conservatives and the liberals are you surprised at kind of where the people's party of canada is at in terms of organization or are you more surprised by the fact that the ndp just doesn't seem to have gotten its act together at all. Yeah, the, the the decline of the NDP is the most significant. I mean, I think if we were in such a close race, then Maxime Bernier taking two, three, even four percent off the Conservative vote would be significant. At the end of the day, I think it's far more significant that the the NDP are in disarray, and, and a lot of those votes will go to the Liberals. I think what we're seeing is, you know, this relentless attack from the Liberals on. Andrew Scheer as this religious zealot who would overturn the status quo and abortion and same-sex marriage. That is not designed to win support from conservative voters or people who are considering voting conservatives. That is designed to make the Liberals the rallying point for for progressive voters and to take votes away from the the NDP and the Greens. This is what we saw in in Alberta, where Rachel Notley's NDP targeted the supposed social conservatism of Jason Kenney. The goal was less to convert 
united conservative supporters to the New Democrats than it was to avoid a split in progressive ranks. Now, that failed in re-electing Rachel Notley in Alberta because there are just not that many progressives in Alberta. There are an awful lot more progressives in Canada, and I think that they, at the moment we're seeing them moving towards the Liberals. Yeah, I was going to ask, if you know, because the Greens seem to have garnered quite a bit of new support as the NDP has fallen off. But but you think that it's not the Greens who are benefiting from Jagmeet Singh and the NDP kind of cratering. You think it's the the Liberals who may ultimately benefit come election day. Well, that remains to be seen. I mean, I think the, 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 the Green surge is real and people are flirting with the Greens and they're looking at the Greens in a way they haven't before. But, you know, in every election that I've covered, the, at the end of the day, people leave the Greens and go to the Liberals. Uh, or the NDP, as as happened in t- 2011. It remains to be seen whether they can sustain a national campaign. I think if Liz May uh, talks at a, a, a high level about principles and climate change and doesn't get into the weeds in policy, she may be able, be able to sustain some of that support. You know, I think that it's a very broad coalition. There are, you know, right-wing uh, former reformers. There are left-wing former liberals and new Democrats. That's why their slogan is not right wing, not left wing. That's a hard coalition to keep together if you start talking in minutia about policy. Mm-hmm. It's less hard if you talk about the existential threat to the planet from climate change. So, you know, it will rely on her skill as a politician to keep that coalition together. But I think regardless, that is this is not a, a surge which sees the NDP, the, the Green Party break through to become a major player in Canadian politics. It's a it's a surge which sees them uh, establishing themselves, for example, on Vancouver Island, maybe winning five, four, five, six seats, not winning 30, 40, 50 seats. Now, earlier you mentioned the Liberals trying to paint Conservative leader Andrew Scheer as some kind of religious zealot. Do you think that will be one of the major themes of the campaign, this kind of battle between progressivism and social conservatism or what other themes do you think may come into play as we the next several weeks roll on well i guess that might depend on how sheer responds to this i mean when um, when the initial allegations came up i mean they're not initial allegations but the liberals released this 2005 video of a speech that he made on same sex marriage in the house of commons you know hidden in plain view in the in the house of commons so it's not like it was uh, they unearthed anything this was this has been well known uh, Shear's position on same-sex marriage, I think, on an abortion. People know that he's a that he has views on these matters, but they've started to make it an issue, and it's starting to resonate. I mean, I think the polling data suggests that the momentum has shifted from the from the Liberals to the Conservatives. Well, that, that coincided with a lot of what's happening right now. You know, a, a colleague talked to me of meeting an Ottawa doctor who couldn't recall Shear's name, but she thought she knew he was anti-abortion. He tried to address the, this issue last week when he came out and and said that he would not legislate on the issue uh, he said he'd moved on society's moved on but i don't think he was frank enough on what his position actually is what does he actually believe in who is he i i think that he needs to have a jack kennedy moment he needs to be, have a jfk moment where kennedy came out in 1960 and said i'm a catholic but that's not going to affect the way i make decisions if i become president and it largely took the issue off the table. I think that, uh, you know, Andrew Scheer is no Jack Kennedy, but he needs to have a Jack Kennedy moment. Looking at the liberal side of things now, this year 
hasn't been particularly good for Justin Trudeau and the Liberals. It's a, you know, some of the foibles of the Liberal Party are the subject of your recent book um, called Trudeau, if I'm not mistaken. You're very imaginative. <laughs> Do you think that Team Trudeau has done enough to get past some of the major controversies and really try and shift the spotlight to what they see as Andrew Shear's negatives? Or are they still going to have to wear the last six months and explain some of that away as we approach the... I think it goes beyond six months. It goes back four years. I mean, they have not done a great job in uh, implementing the platform on which they were elected. I mean, by any measure, uh, there have been promises that were made that were not fulfilled. There have been missteps. There have been uh, unforced errors. There's plenty of there for the opposition to work with. But but I think they have shifted the focus quite successfully because, you know, when you judge Trudeau in isolation, there are definite shortcomings there. But when you judge him ranked against Andrew Shear and Jagmeet Singh, and suddenly he starts to look a lot better. I think that they know that, and that's why they have started not talking too much about their own record, but pointing the finger at the other guy. And I think at the moment it's working. In the, in the last two or three public opinion polls, they've been pretty good for Justin Trudeau. When you talk about them not running on their record, how much of their record do you think they can run on? What what do you see that they can hold up as, this is what we promised we would do and this is what we've done? Well, largely the things that were in their own gift when they got elected. Canada Child Benefit. I mean, that was that's in the province of the federal government to increase the amount of money that people get for, for, uh, for their families for having kids. The things that they've been less successful are where, where they relied on negotiations with provincial governments, things that were not quite the low-hanging fruit that, uh, that that some of the things they managed to do early were. I mean, I think if you judged after two years, they'd done a pretty good job, but then they really hit the, the tough stuff. And, you know, like electoral reform, which, you know, was always going to be a tough thing to do, you know, partly through self-interest, they realized that why would we want to change the electoral system that gave us a majority government? But also they found that that there was a you know entrenched opposition to some of the things they wanted to do. It's a bit of a mixed bag as far as uh, achievements for this government. I think the one thing that undeniably they did achieve was that they they managed to strike a deal on NAFTA that could have been very very bad for Canada. They came mm. out and, and when it was struck said it's a great day for Canada. I'm not sure it was a great day, but it, but it at least averted potential disaster. And of all the things they've done over the last four years, I think that was that was probably the most significant. You know, increasing the Canada Child Benefit, which yeah, it's lifted a lot of people out of poverty, but it's but it's been paid for w- with borrowed money. I mean, this is going to money that's going to have to be paid back. It's it pretty much dime for dime. The amount of money spent in it is has uh, has come from deficit financing. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty much any government could do that if they've got the stomach for it. It doesn't seem like the Conservatives have a big stomach for uh, debt and deficit. They also don't have a big stomach for things like the carbon tax. Um, Where do you see the Conservatives' biggest opportunities to apply pressure to the Liberals? Is it on on the scandals or is it on economic policy, failure to balance the budget? Um, I don't see them necessarily going after the Liberals about failures on electoral reform. But what are those trigger points where the Conservatives will be aiming at the Liberals? 
the one that I mean, they, their their election slogan is, is you know is just not as advertised, and and you know I think that across the board, uh, he has there's an enthusiasm gap on the part of the electorate because he has not delivered for them. It would seem to me that if you run on Trudeau's record, then you're in a, a pretty good place. I mean, even the, the SNC scandal, they fell short of their promise to do politics differently. Mm. You know, it, it's a very Canadian scandal. There was no sex and and nobody nobody got rich from it. But but it was behaving as if as as most previous governments would have behaved. You got a, a minister who was not doing what she was told from the center so she she got demoted and ultimately booted out of the party um you know that has happened in the past uh but the problem was the problem is for Justin Trudeau he promised he would be be, be better than that and uh, i think he's been just as ruthless as as uh, many of his predecessors so it it fits into the idea that this is a, a government that has not lived up to to what it promised for the conservatives their their biggest problem is that it's what uh, conservative thinker Sean Spear called a trilemma, and it faced Stephen Harper in the last election too, that you've got three things that you want to try and do, and you can only do two of them. One of them is balance the books. The other is offer tax cuts. And the third is that you don't particularly want to cut spending. Now, in the last election, Stephen Harper wanted to balance the books, and he didn't want to cut spending, but it meant that he didn't have any money to spend on tax cuts. And mm-hmm. so they had. A, he made the mistake of having a hundred-day campaign and no announcements. I don't know if, if it would have made any difference if he'd had tons of money. I think the people had got fed up with him by then, anyway. But the same dilemma or trilemma confronts Andrew Shear. If he wants to balance the books, he can't afford to spend too much uh, in tax cuts, and I don't think he can afford to announce. Uh, spending cuts because then the the Liberals will just tar him with the same brush that Doug Ford is being tarred with in Ontario, which is uh, austerity, hitting our public institutions like health and education. One of the other things that that Andrew Scheer, I, I feel, has to overcome is the Andrew Scheer factor, is that the idea that he's going into this campaign at least He's not necessarily familiar to a lot of voters. He doesn't obviously have the same image as uh, handsome, swashbuckling Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Have the Conservatives done enough to introduce Sheer to the Canadian populace and make him stick in their minds? I don't. I don't think they have. But but it's it's kind of hard to do. He is who he is. You know. I mean. I think the saving grace is that. This is Justin Trudeau, twenty nineteen, not twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the the shine has come off. So, you know, the comparative analysis is not quite the same as it would have been then. And in some ways, maybe that works for Sheer. You know, you you're almost the anti Trudeau in the way that uh, Trudeau was the anti Harper. But you're right. The idea that that he's not particularly known. I mean, you know, as a the anecdote I gave earlier about the Ottawa doctor, obviously not somebody who who is. Uh, Totally unread. I mean, an educated person who couldn't even name him. Mm-hmm. That must be that kind of thing is worrying for for conservatives. And there's no shortcut around that. I mean, that that's just uh, campaigning and time that that changes that. And I think that explains why uh, we're likely to have a shorter campaign than a longer campaign. Explains why Justin Trudeau does not want to do more than the 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 two elections that he's the two uh, leaders debates that he's committed to. 
um, you know, they're quite happy if this guy remains unknown, obviously. I know it's early days. It's always hard to predict what's going to happen on election day. What is the prospect of a minority government here? And what does that look like? Because people have already come out and said they can't support Andrew Scheer if he wins, but it's a minority situation. So if there's a minority government, we're essentially looking at another four years of, of Trudeau or until that government falls. I don't, I don't believe that for a minute, by the way, that, that, uh, you know, Jagmeet Singh is making that statement. Jagmeet Singh is probably not going to be there the day after an election. So take all of those statements with a pinch of salt. There are pragmatic things at play here. Uh, I remember back in the minority government days, the most encouraging thing for the Conservatives was the fact that the Bloc MPs were in the best jobs they'd ever had, and they were two years away from a full pension. <laughs> so those guys were not voting for an election and a potential losing their jobs and their pensions. So, you know, let's wait and see what happens. It's You're right. I mean, if any of us could predict how this election was going to go, we should probably get into uh, oil futures trading or something more lucrative. But, you know, you can only, I guess, make uh, predictions based on what's in front of us right now. And at the moment, the the momentum is with the Liberal Party. I think Sheer has got to do something that shifts that momentum. And I think some of that involves offering his views, frank views on same-sex marriage and abortion and saying they're pretty similar to Justin Trudeau's. I mean, Trudeau has come out and said that he opposes abortion, but he defends the right of women to... uh, be in charge of their own bodies. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that Sheer's saying something similar and, and you know, it's hypocritical of Trudeau to, to knock him on this. So there needs to be some kind of uh, move by Sheer to shift that momentum back, deflect away this whole social conservative stuff and get back onto the thing that he wants to talk about, which is affordability. And, and you know, I think there are inherent dangers here for the Liberals as well. If they keep hammering on the uh, the values message and they ignore the affordability issue, then they're going to be out of sync with voters. So it's uh, it's going to be a, a delicate balancing act for all these parties going through this election. Well, it's definitely going to be uh, one of the more interesting campaigns in recent memory. John, thanks for your time. Okay, thanks, Dave. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, John Iveson. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>